We're a really interesting generation and we have so much to give um, that for the world to not see us as being invaluable is ridiculous. Hello, intelligent beings of this marvelous planet. Welcome to the 42 Courses podcast and thank you for being here. Invisible to Invaluable is a brilliant book celebrating midlife women from Jane Evans and Carol Russell and we're honored to speak to them today. Jane Evans is one of her generation's most successful advertising women. In 2019, she was presented with a Lifetime Achievement Award by Women in Media and in 2020 was one of Ad Age's Women to Watch in Europe. She founded the Uninvisibility Project to showcase brilliant midlife women and create opportunities for them to return to the workplace. Carol Russell is a prolific BAFTA-nominated TV writer and consultant. She is the founder of Fresh Voices UK, which promotes writers of African, Asian and others of ethnically diverse heritage. Carol is also a recipient of the Stephen Lawrence Women of the Year Award. So I'm delighted to speak to Carol Russell and Jane Evans, the authors of this fabulous book, Invisible to Invaluable. Hello. Hello. So delighted. Thank you so much for giving me your time. Brilliant. Can't wait to speak to you. Uh, I've got the book on Kindle and I got the audio book as well. And I was absolutely thrilled because the narration is amazing. The book is just filled with fun as well. And you just add to it through the narration and the friendship is just flying out of the audio book. And I just love the whole thing about it. Could you tell how you guys met? And it's like a VW story, but it's not really uh, the, the cars, is it? <laughs> Well, gosh, we met because we both did a course at the NFTS, which is the National uh, School of Film and Television. Uh, so we were both doing this course. I, because I needed to um, take two, two weeks out, I needed to have the script done. And so we, would, we were in a, a, a pilot um, course. And so I was writing my script and I got there late the first day. I got lost. And when I went in, there was a seat left beside Jane. And I sat beside Jane and um, as we were talking about the um, scripts and stories we were writing, we, I really liked her, her take on things. And I thought, oh, I like you. And um, then after a while, we were having lunch or something and she asked me if I knew her friend. Now, normally when someone says to me, do you know this other black person? I'm like, oh, please, there are millions of us in the, in the world. There are billions of us. What do you mean? And then she said the name Verna Wilkins and that was it. I was like, oh my God, no, I do know her. Yes, I do. I do. And she's a really, really wonderful woman who has been a real encouragement to me. Um, she was, uh, an, a publisher. So she was one of the first black publishers of children's books. So that's how we met. I just wanted to speak about the, the narration for a moment because I, I was wondering how you were doing it because it's almost like at points as like banter. Were you, were you actually together when you recorded? Yeah. So, but, but the whole book is based on banter. So the book, came, the, the book came around because I'd actually pretty much written a, a book that was about to get a deal. Uh, and then lockdown came came around and basically things that I had been written that were pure hypothesis all of a sudden were becoming our own lived experience. So things like running a family 
is, is like running a business. If you can run a family, you can run a business. You know, all of a sudden, everybody was realizing just how much organization takes in, in running a family when you, you know, it, within lockdown. Uh, and then, of course, a few weeks into lockdown, George Floyd happened. And, you know, it was like I, I, I sort of had this epiphany that the last thing the world needed was a, another book by a white middle class feminist. And, you know, even, even all of us that feel as though, you know, we're enlightened and, you know, non-racist and all of that, you know, it was, we had to do more for our exhausted black friends, you know, and I think that became absolutely obvious. Um, everything that had been in the book previously to this had been discussed and chewed over and argued in our two and a half hour phone calls anyway. Um, so when it came down to, we got the deal and it was time to write it very quickly, there was no question about the fact that, that you know that Carol had an important voice that needed to be in this book, and that was what was missing, because you know this is a book about all midlife women from you know the top of a council block to the top of the corporate ladder, um, and so you know there are certain limitations. I think Ali Owen puts it beautifully from the Brixton Finishing School. You know she says she's a recovering racist, and I think all of us white people to a certain extent are because of the society, you know the cultural, you know ingrained racism that we all grew up with. You know even we're you know even us that uh, you know feel as though we are allies. Um, didn't know the whole story, weren't pushing far enough, weren't going far enough. So, um, and, you know, it was lockdown. We were both, it, the sun was shining. We might as well turn our two and a half hour conversations into something that we can spread to other people. And and did you, did you when you were writing it, did you go chapter by chapter or what was the writing process? Oh gosh, Jane, the brilliant thing that Jane had done was she looked at the word, she wanted to get from invisible to invaluable. Mm -hmm. And she looked at all of the IN words in the, in the dictionary and, we, and she went through them and made lists, I mean, copious lists. And then, and so what we were doing was going through those lists and, and talking about what did we want to say in those, for, for those words. And so it, it wasn't, it wasn't um, chapter by chapter, it was more about who, who, who was able to, to speak to that particular thing best. Um, there's a, a whole plethora of mind-blowing facts. I mean, from, from my uh, privileged white male uh, status, I mean, there's the, there's the history of the UK, there's the history of the patriarchy, there's sociological stuff. And, and a really amazing sentence I thought, Carol, was the, you know, if you want to know the history of America, you, know, you have to know the history of African-American women. And likewise in, in Britain. Do you want to speak to that for a moment? Yes, because without, the, without our knowledge of the things that were done in our country um, and by our country around the world, we have no idea why, for example, there are African Caribbean people in this country, there are African people in this country, there are um, people from the Indian subcontinent, Pakistani, Bangladeshi. So if we don't understand our history, we don't understand our present. Yeah. And, and another really mind-blowing sentence for me was, we can't be what we can't see. With, that was the Werner story again, right? Yes, exactly. Can you just tell the story of the, the, little, uh, the little girl that uh, was hearing the reading from Werner. Oh, gosh, yes. Oh, gosh. Werner was, uh, had gone into a school, um, and when she went in, she would talk about 
taking uh, how to take a book from an idea to a, a fully published book. And so she would go in with um, the manuscript. She would go in with the with the um, illustrator's pictures. She would go in with um, corrections. She would go in with the galley proofs. And so she was talking this class through the process of publishing a book and taking it from idea to finished product. And at the end of it, um, she, saw, she noticed this little black girl standing there at, at the end and she came up to her and said, do you mind if I help you um, put things away? And she said, of course, you know, come. And then as they were putting the books away and putting the things away, the little black girl said to her that she had never thought that she could be a writer. She wanted to be. And now Verna had allowed her to see that she could be what she wanted to be. Yeah. Really, really touching story that was. Let's get into the invisibility. So what's the, the concept of the invisibility for, for women from 19, born from 1950 to 1975? What does that mean now? Well, women like us have never existed in the history of the world before, and certainly not in the numbers that, that, that they are now. Um, you know, when I do speeches, um, I get everybody singing Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, and then I say to them, do you know what happened on the same day that became number one? And there's sort of like silence. And I go, the queen signed equal opportunity into law. And so, you know, people absolutely, you know, almost fall over and think that, you know, women have been working were in professions and had the right to work in, in wherever they wanted forever. No, we were the first, uh, you know, we were the first generation that came into the workforce en masse. So we're the most educated women that, that, that we've ever been. You know, we're the first women in, in, you know, to have the right to be in the workforce. We're the first women that really have the right to control our own money. Um, you know, there are so many things about us that are new and original, but also, you know, we're the first generation of women of our age that actually grew up in, a, in, in, in pop culture. It was, you know, the 60s and 70s were the birth of pop culture. This is where we come from. So, um, you know, the fact that we're expected to disappear off into the woods like the old women of old is, is ridiculous for us. We're old punks, you know. We were 60s, that you know, women from the 60s that can't remember the 60s, which proves they were actually there. Um, you know, so, um, you know, we can't be treated like, like people have before. Um, and, you know, there's sort of been this pres presumption that you know, there's never been older women in the workforce. So the next round of redundancies that we must be getting rid of the older women. And it's not only the people that are doing the firing that are thinking that, it's actually the women themselves. They're getting to a point at you know, reaching their early 40s and going, you know what, next round of redundancies, I'm going to be the one that's gone. Um, which again, we're going to be the first generation of women where we're going to live till 90 or 100. And so, in a, and for many of us, you know, our lives were designed around us living till we're 70, not living till we're 90. Um, and the gift of this extra life doesn't come at the end, it comes at the middle. And so, you know, it's, you know, again, we pioneered these careers. We're the first women to go through menopause. We're now going to be, have to be the first generation of pioneers, the second half of our careers, the rebirth, the regrowth. Um, because if we don't, we're going to retire in poverty because, you know, again, women of our age have a third of the pension savings of men. Um, and one of the major contributing factors to that was we didn't have paid maternity leave that we fought for. 
So, you know, it's, we're, we're a really interesting generation and we have so much to give um, that for the world to not see us as being invaluable is ridiculous. Yeah. And that, as I say, there's a lot of, there's a lot of history in the book, which is really eye-opening. And there's a lot of um, uh, talk of, you know, the, the things not being so great and uh, like not a good situation, but there is a, a huge optimism and there's a, a great hope in the, in the book, as well as the playfulness, of course. But um, what, what, what's the optimistic outlook for, for women now, for ethnically diverse women or for uh, midlife women? What is the, the value that they, they, they can give, given the opportunity? Well, I think that given the opportunity, we could help um, women who are having their children in their 30s. Because one, that's one of the, 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 the times when women lose, lose in, that, in the race, if you like, in, in the workplace. Because as soon as they want to go and have children, they're afraid that they won't be, won't be able to come back and rise in the way that they'd like to. Um, so many women rush back to work before they're really ready and even their children are really ready. And one of the things that uh, Jane and I have talked about is how women in, in, our, in our age groups, we can step in for those women who, have, who are leaving to have their children and we can hold their place for them until they're, they're able and ready to come back. I think also it's important to say that, you know, and again, we talk a lot about the patriarchy and the history. Um, you know, all careers are designed around a man's biology and not a woman's. And, you know, so women are constantly in a rush, 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 rush to hit the 35 deadline, which, you know, for men is, is the point where they're about to, you know, give up football and play golf and their hairline's receding is, you know, the point where they, you know, is the next stage up the ladder. Uh, whereas for us, that's absolute sheer cruelty because, you know, whether you're going to have children or not, you've got the chemicals running through your body. Um, and, you know, and so women are rushing, rushing, rushing to you know, get their degree, find the job, find the man, get as high as they can in their career before they can stop and have children. And then they generally find that they, you know, come back at a lower position and have to sort of rise again. So they're making a lot of decisions out of fear. Now, if they can see women in, you know, 45, 50, all of a sudden, when we get a boost of testosterone um, you know they say that the, a woman's a midlife woman's brain is almost identical to a 25 year old man's so you know that meme of I'm, I, I want a 25 year old with 30 years experience well that's a midlife woman and so you know if we can actually you know use our biology where we do get this you know on the other side of menopause we do get this incredible lift um, if we can use that to rebuild our careers, start the second half of our careers, actually design the fact that women's careers can be in two parts. Um, you know, it, it, I mean, you know, you say this to younger women, you can actually sort of see the relief dripping off them because they're feeling as though, and, and, you know, and again, we've tried to be super women. It doesn't work. And it was like, now we can have everything, but not all at once. And I think when everybody's trying to have everything all at once, they're burning out, they're getting exhausted. Um, but, you know, if we can actually look at a career that we are going to be working till we're 70. So let's design careers around the fact that we're going to live till we're 70. And then the 20 years at the end is 79 to 90 where you do the retirement stuff. Yeah. And, okay, you spoke about women helping women, but how do uh, or how should white males uh become allies, let's say, of uh, ethnically diverse females or midlife females? 
I actually say, particularly about ageism, so, and, um, you know, as particularly in the advertising industry, I must say there are an awful lot of uh, white males who um, hmm, making things difficult for us. They've never hit an ism in their life. They have never, you know, there is nothing that has ever stopped them. Um, so there's nothing that's ever stopped them. Um, but now all of a sudden they're finding they're, th they're hitting ageism. And they're going about it all wrong. Um, you know, for, 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 I think this is a time for them to, and I sort of say this with my tongue very firmly planted in my cheek, is, you know, it's time to, you know, ladies first, open the door, let us go through. Because for us, feminism has always been about equality, um, you know, and so let us, we, we've dealt with these isms, you know, and, and women are, you know, women from diverse backgrounds have dealt with multiple isms and, you know, add mental health and disability to that and gender. It was like, you know, some of us have got the whole, you know, the complete set and have been dealing with this throughout our whole lives. Now, let us speak, let us lead on this because we know how to how to get through this. And again, you know, one of the things that we say is don't moan, fix it. Because midlife women have got everything that we need to solve this problem in spades. And we can actually solve the ageism problem for men, but, you know, uh, for us, it's an emergency. You guys have all got nice pension pots. You can go off and drive an Uber for a few years if you lose your job. We haven't got any savings. So we have to rebuild our careers at this point. And we've got to help each other. And you guys have to, you know, first of all, lose the perception that, you know, once we're no longer fertile, we no longer have any use. Um, and, you know, I, one of the things I've loved about being in business post-menopause is that I am gender neutral. For the first time ever in my career, the way I look, the way, you know, my, my sexuality has nothing whatsoever to do with my work. And it's liberating and free, freeing. Wow. Okay. And we, you spoke about the isms there. And, and if it's not bad enough for, for, for females, Carol, for ethically diverse females, I mean, tell us, tell us the, the story about one of your heroes, Diane Abbott, when she went to Harrow School. This is just... Uh, it, it shocked uh, me. Yes. It starts young, Bren. It starts young. So Diane uh, went to Harrow Grammar. And um, when she got there, uh, she was given, as the whole class were, an essay to write. And she wrote the essay and she handed it in. And when the teacher came back the following week and, handed, and was handing back the papers and was giving the marks, she went from A being the top to D the bottom. And Diane was sitting there waiting to hear her name. And she, the teacher went through all the A pluses. She didn't hear her name. All the A's still didn't hear her name. All the A minuses, she still didn't hear her name. The teacher got to the B's. And you, and and you, said, you said that she'd never received anything less than an A before, never, right? Never ever yeah. received anything less than an A before. So she, when the teacher got to the B, she was thinking, okay, maybe I'm going to, it's a B plus, but it wasn't. And the teacher went through absolutely every single paper. And at the end, she stopped and that was it. So Diane went up to the table, which was on a little dais as they were in those days. And she asked the teacher for her paper and the teacher held it by the corners. And she said, 
where did you where did you copy this from and she gave it to her because I don't believe that you you wrote that and that took away Diane's confidence for the rest of that year to go full out um, in all of her studies it wasn't until she was in her second year at secondary school that she was that and had a teacher who liked her believed in her and encouraged her that she, her confidence began to regrow and I had a very very similar um, experience myself and most of the black women that I know um, especially have exactly the same kind of experience where when we do well in school we're not believed we it's said that we've copied it from somewhere mm. our work and and going a little bit further from that, the the stuff that you do now with uh, with Fresh Voices UK and Raised Voices, this is yes. challenging. It's, it's helping this situation, right? Yes, it is. It really, really is. Because uh, until I started to put together um, Raised Voices, which is a project that is looking at midlife women, so women over forty five who are black, who are writers, playwrights and uh, screenwriters. And what I wanted to do was amplify their work because at that time I wasn't seeing any, anything from a woman over 45 who was black. And I went to and talked to um, the artistic directors at the Bush Theatre in uh, Shepherd's Bush and at the Young Vic Theatre in Waterloo. And they were, oh, they're so helpful. They're helping to put together this program of, of work and plays and workshops so that women who want to write their own stories can, can have a place to come where they are being encouraged and absolutely amplified. Their work is absolutely amplified as well. Again, is this a, a we can't be what we can't see? Because you, you mentioned that there are, there are actresses, there are producers, obviously not in the, you know, the, the numbers that we see in, in, in white females, but, but there aren't the writers. Is there a particular thing that can happen to change that? Well, the thing that I've been doing for, oh gosh, it's, I, I realise now it's 10 years, mm. is I've been creating programmes that um, are for not just black women, but ethnically diverse people who are screenwriters and helping them um, and working with the London Film School, helping them to uh, write something that they can, they know that they can absolutely believe in and that is, is going to work for the industry. And that has been, oh, that's been so brilliant. Um, of the people that we, the number of people that we had, 70% of them now are working on things on Netflix, BBC, wow. one of them runs EastEnders now, um, all of the streamers and film. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so that's, Carol, that's some of the current stuff you're doing. And Jane, what about the Uninvisibility and uh, InvisibleStart.com? Okay, so we're working in two levels. So, well, three levels, in fact. So there's the Uninvisibility Project, which is sort of the movement, which is our social media campaign of which we sort of classify the book in there, which is about changing the narrative. 
so that's very independent, fiercely independent, because we want to be able to swear as much as we damn well like. <laughs> We're not having any clients telling us not to. Um, so the second part of it, though, is that there is a there's a perception out there. That there's no such thing as female creatives over over the age of 45. There is nothing could be further from the truth. So I've basically pulled together a network of some of the world's greatest female creatives, and you know, and where they don't um, exist in advertising, uh, take them from the world of film and TV. So you know, put an advertising person with a TV person to actually write scripts and and, and ads works beautifully. Um, and we're working directly with clients. So we're working with Stacial Travel Insurance at the moment with, on a very exciting project where we're basically creating our own influencers. Um, so that's another reason why I'm so tired at the moment is, is because we've been, we've, we've been working like, you know, young TikTok generation, but we're 58 and 60, 59 and 68. So, um, and both of us, two o'clock in the morning, send, a send an email out and it comes straight back. So, you know, the idea that we haven't got energy is, is rubbish we can work just as hard as all of the all of the kids um so and and you know so we're talking to a lot of clients and you know really you know genuinely putting the work out there to to make a change um but also um i don't know whether you remember but last year mark reed who's the ceo of wpp um made a grave error of saying that of boasting about how the people in his organization run to the age of 40. um i basically got the word to him that uninvisibility wanted to have words um, and to his credit he picked up the phone mm. um, and he got to the end of the call and was like I wasn't expecting that so he really did think that he was going to get you know a bollocking from an ageism movement um, but actually what he was given was a really really smart solution to his problem and a solution to our problem. So we basically have joined together with um, Ali Owen and the wonderful Brixton Finishing School. And so the course that they've created for young people, we've white labelled it for midlife women um, with the specific goal of getting them into WPP media agencies. And at the end of the year, there are actually 20 jobs that have been ring fenced at WPP for midlife women to come in and start their new media career um, by the end of the year. Excellent. I mean, that's like real, solid, tangible change, isn't it? It's incredible to have achieved that. Um, and and the, 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 let's say the last third of the book is um, talking about the things that you can actually do uh, that, that will make a change. And uh, I really like this idea of before you purchase, uh, to ask the brand. Okay, so, so the, the one thing is always true. The customer is always right. And, you know, at the moment, social media is a real gift um, because, you know, we can actually talk very, you know, it's not just a case of us sending a letter anymore. It's sending a letter that everybody can see. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we're saying is go on to the, before you buy anything, before you buy a Maserati or a, or a mascara, go onto the contact form of the place that you're buying it from and ask what they're, what they what, what, their employed how much they employ women over the age of 45 and we sort of say you know 100 100 inquiries will get them taking notice a thousand inquiries they'll start you know wondering what they can do about it a million they'll probably be ringing you back asking if you want a job so you know it was like use the power of social media but also you know when when brands and companies are out there saying that they want to do social good force them into it 
remind them that you know go, go in there you know and again you know you can do that you can do that it doesn't have to just be ageism it doesn't just have to be midlife women you know go and ask the question you know, use your spending power because women are over 45 by 50.3 percent of everything now if we use that spending power really carefully and really cleverly and we come together and actually recognize what's important we can force this change and you know, and, and it sounds a bit trite. Well, well, you know, what you spend, um, you know, is important. You know, the 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 the, the gross, uh, the spending power of a company, the consumer spending power, is what whole economies are built upon. So you know, we do hold a tremendous amount of power, and so you know, we should take hold of that and go. Yep, we buy more than anybody. We're the most powerful consumer group in the in in the world. How do we want to direct that? I just want to say, like, you know, uh, there's serious, real serious topics in the book, but I didn't feel, again, from my privileged white male status, I didn't feel like uh, you, uh, there's like it's having a go or this isn't for me. It's like anytime there's a serious topic or a serious fact, it's like the, 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 there's a lightness to it as well because of the playfulness of, I think, of, of you two. And I just wanted to say to people that are considering, you know, getting into the book, like, please do. It's, it's a joy, a real joy. And, and Carol, do you want to uh, give a, a shout out to, to a, a group in society saying like, well, they should read this particular book? I think one of the reasons I, I would really like as many white midlife women to read this book is because we really, really should be a sisterhood. And I believe if they read the book and see how closely our lives are uh, paralleled, that they will, they will want to be allies. They will want to work and act in solidarity. So for me, that's the group I really, really want to read the book because come on, we're sisters. We are sisters. Yeah. And Jane, what about a, a call to action for people wanting to, thinking about pulling the trigger on the, on the book purchase or the audio book? Um, anybody in tech, in business, in startups, anywhere where they've got a talent shortage, anywhere where they're looking for talent, anywhere, you know, basically, I, and, and I find this really interesting when I talk about this, you know, I'll talk to people and I absolutely blow their minds. And it was like, and the moment you say to them, you know what you're wasting here, you know what you're missing out on here. They're just like, wow, this is ridiculous. Why am I missing out on all of this talent? Why am I missing out on all of these opportunities? So again, one of the, you know, we don't want to be, we don't, you know, we say don't moan, fix it. It's not a case of, you know, yes, there's thousands of years of patriarchy that have got us to this point, but that's, that's, that's the past. Let's work towards the future, but also let's work very, very, very quickly because, you know, we should be, solved, we should be able to solve this problem in a couple of years. Seriously, if everybody put their mind to it, problem solved. Yeah, I can't remember the particular quote from the book, but there is the, the bit where you're talking about um, every person knows, it's like the mother, the aunt, the, the teacher, the mentor, whoever that they go to for advice. It's usually a, a female born between 1950, 1975, right? So, you know, unleash that power into the world, not in a competitive way, because, you know, and, and again, I think one of the things I love in the book is talking about whales, that they're the, you know, so we're the only land animal that goes through menopause. So, you know, when males, when whales go through menopause, they become the leaders of the pod. 
and that makes absolute sense because you know they've they've got everybody they care about everybody you know they care about the whole pod and so you know i think we'll see a lot of less ego-led leadership and you know more care for is everybody being is 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 the whole pod okay rather than you know is it just the guys at the top okay um, you know, and I think I think if you know if we can change the attitude, and you know, there's research to back it up. Women over 55 make the best bosses. Um, you know, it was like so. You know, let's let's rejoice in this resource that we have, and let's you know don't uh, uh, again. I think you know, sort of, we've been fighting, 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 fighting for so long. It was like, can we stop fighting and maybe do something and be heard and actually allow us to action things. Great stuff. It's been a real joy, a pleasure speaking to both of you. I really, really love the book. Thank you for opening my eyes on so many um, uh, things that I should be aware of. And uh, I urge everyone to get invisible to invaluable, unleashing the power of women. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. On Twitter, follow Jane Evans at Jane E. Carol Russell's Twitter is at Fresh Voices UK. For more on the book, go to uninvisibility.com. And for the Visible Start program with Brixton Finishing School and WPP, go to visiblestart.com. And by the way, Jane Evans is one of the thought leaders on our copywriting course on 42courses.com. 